0: Whoa, the jungle VIP. I the top and had to stop and that's what's bothering me I be a man what's going man on, everybody? we are back with another mini episode of Mouse Madness and today we are talking about the recently released Disney plus exclusive Pixar's soul mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and uh, we had mentioned in our first episode of the best Disney thing of 2020 that soul hadn't come out yet. It was literally like three days away. <laughs> we were we were so close to the release of Soul. So um, for anybody that was wondering, uh, this is why. We, we recorded early, and now we're here to talk a little bit about Soul.
0: Yeah, for once, being prepared kind of bites us in the butt. <laughs> but maybe at the end of this discussion, we can talk about kind of where it might have fit on that bracket. But first, let's just kind of start out with how we watched this thing, because this was not a Premiere access title like Mulan was this was just a straight up freebie so were you able to watch soul on its release date
1: yeah so uh soul was released on Christmas day December 25th 2020 and I was home because I I didn't go anywhere so um we watched actually first we watched um Wonder Woman 1984 so we started out the day real nice and then uh, we, we ended the night with Soul. So we watched it on Christmas Day um, that night uh, in my living room. Super like excited to see that it wasn't Premiere Access because I didn't really feel like spending more holiday money. Um, but yeah, we have a sound system, uh, a surround sound system, and the TV, and we are ready to rock. So yeah, we were watching it op- uh, the day it was released. What about you?
0: So... I'm Mr. Premier Access, Mr. I want to watch a movie at home. And for this particular release, I kind of experienced the downside of that mm. in that it was really hard for me with all of the holiday things going on to find dedicated time to watch this this past weekend. When you go see a movie in a theater, it's a whole process and it's <laughs> like sit down, pay attention. And I just wasn't really able to find a convenient time to watch Soul. So I kind of had it on, not in the background, but while other bustling types of activities were happening around me. (laughs) So uh, it wasn't like an optimal viewing experience, but it was a viewing experience nonetheless. And I guess that's kind of what you get with these at-home releases. You really have to willingly find time to sit down and watch one of these things and kind of replicate a theater experience.
1: Yeah, and I think that I was able to do that because I had set that expectation for myself. You know, I I knew that I wanted to watch these premieres, Mulan included. I did the same exact thing, waited until I had... Well, I watched it on its release, but I planned to watch it on its release date so I was secluded I was watching it just that's all I was doing and so I planned that for Soul because I had expected that I wanted to I would want to absorb as much of it as possible in the first viewing I didn't want to not pay as close attention as I as I would in the theater because I know like the work that these animators did meant something and th- this was supposed to come out to theaters so I really wanted to like you know pay pay my own kind of silent respect i guess for the the fallen movies that never made it to theater by <laughs> trying to create a theater atmosphere but um yeah so we've been talking about like soul and kind of the periphery of this podcast for a while now and we've always kind of said well man we we hope this is good we hope we <laughs> yeah. hope this is good like we kept saying that because you know disney loves to do the those trailers that they like Try and go for the lowbrow humor to like hook the kids in, get the kids to tell the adults that they want to go see it, and that's like what we saw, right? We saw a lot of um, the the little soul, which was whose name we found out was twenty two, and it was that pizza eating scene, and like the she would eat the pizza and and like poop it out, and because they can't taste, they're just souls and and they don't eat, and so I was like, oh man. I hope I hope that it's it's a bait and switch on us and that it's not going to be just like these gags the entire time. So I was going into it with much higher expectations than than onward. Uh, I went in like basement level expectations into onward and I, I had the like a lot higher expectations for this one, mostly because I felt like their focus, I trusted them in doing good by like the black community. You had Kent Powers, who is a co-director with Pete Doctor who is a black man. And I just knew that there was going to be a lot of love put into these characters, especially as we started seeing uh, Joe Gardner and all of the designs of, of the world in these teasers. So I had a much higher expectation for this movie than I did onward, but I was still cautiously optimistic. I, I, I wanted this to be good. Um, So that's how I went into it. What were your expectations going in?
0: Well, you know me and my distaste for Inside Out. So this movie was on my bad side from the second I read the plot synopsis. Before (laughs) we had seen really any footage, maybe all we had was a logo at that point. Sure. Anything that involves really abstract ideas like this, I'm extremely skeptical. Especially when you're talking about making a feature-length film out of it. I just don't trust that they can pull something like that off. Also, I wasn't able to watch this for a few days. So I had some Twitter reviews in my timeline and the reviews were very troubling for me. Things like, it's the first Pixar movie made exclusively for adults. Like, that's a huge red flag for me. Also things like, It's basically Coco meets Inside Out, like two of my (laughs) not favorite movies. Also, some of the negative reviews had me troubled as well, like convoluted plot, things like that. I was expecting all of that before I saw any reviews, but definitely seeing a lot of good reviews, loving things that I traditionally don't like, mixed with bad reviews, not liking things I also traditionally don't like, I was determined there'd be no way I, that I would like soul. So I went in with really, really low expectations. So let's talk about some positives, Kyle. Let's talk about some things we liked about soul. What were a few things that stood out for you?
1: A lot. I liked soul a lot.
0: <laughs> okay, great. Let's get that out of the way.
1: I like, even before we're going to give some sort of rating system, I loved this movie. Um, I, I had issues with it uh, for sure. But overall, like, loved this movie. Um, definitely, like, way better than Onward for me. Like, thousand times better than Onward. Um, it, just, it was just so good, in my opinion. So, one thing that I really liked... I'll, I'll start kind of technical and then get... We can talk at the end kind of the big idea. Sure. But one thing that I always keep an eye out for is the progress in animation. And... I think this movie put that on display for all of us. Um, There was a tweet that I saw that was like, in Toy Story 1, they essentially just cloned all of the Andy characters and then put different clothes and hair on them to make them the other characters if they weren't Sid. And in this one, there was an entire cityscape of people that were all different. and. Just being able to step up the animation in that way from the amount of characters they can create, the textures of clothing and, and objects in the real world space, as well as like they really showed off their camera work in this one. There was a lot of like panning shots. There was a lot of depth where there was a ton of blurred foreground to get your eye to go to the background. One thing that comes to mind is when at the very beginning of the movie, when Joe calls on the um, trombone girl to to play and she gets into the zone and goes off on a solo, Joe's always in the foreground, just kind of blurred out. And that that's the first time I can remember that technique being used in, in one of these movies. And that caught my eye. And I thought that was just great. Like they're they're animating. A movie that they're almost pretending they're shooting in real life and i think that's so cool they've been getting there frozen 2 was another example of that but like they were really nailing it here the score i'm a big music guy and i really enjoyed the score in this one uh even in like the soul world the difference between the soul world score and the real world score i really liked so it was uh composed by trent reznor and atticus ross who are bandmates from nine inch nails actually. And they composed the score alongside John Batiste, who is a award-winning jazz composer and performer. So uh, John kind of did all of the jazz pieces, like everything that, that Joe's band performed, everything that Joe played was John's side. And I liked it so much that I, I went out and bought the album that is the, the vinyl album that is uh, music and songs inspired by uh, soul. That's That's by John Uh, batiste because i really liked it and i felt like um they did a really good job with the black experience in this movie um from the the family issues with the the expectations of the of joe's mother being high enough but also low you know like she's saying like i just want you to find like a, a stable job get your benefits do blah 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 and that's not what joe wanted as well as like the barbershop scene like that's a that's that's how barbershops are like just people picking on each other, people telling stories, people sharing philosophies like I loved that scene and even just like the techniques and in his barber, like lining him up and and all that stuff. And it was just so well done without like over exaggerating, you know, the, that could have been an issue, too. And it was just so, so well done. Um, and so I was I was worried that like I first of all, didn't know that um, Ken Powers was going to be the director of this or a co-director of this movie. So I was really worried about like Pete Doctor just directing this like black movie. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> so right? I was glad to see that. And he he did a very good job. Um, So yeah, those are some long-winded three kind of bits that I, I picked out that I really, really enjoyed. And that's not even diving into the story. So uh, Chris, what were some things that you liked?
0: So most of mine are, are piggyback things off of yours. Okay talking about the music and even further talking about the sound design as a whole yeah like you said the the juxtaposition between what's happening in the soul world I don't know what it's called or remember what it's called but about halfway through the movie it kind of struck me that there's no jazz in the soul world and for a split second I was like I wonder if this would be better if they just carried the jazz throughout. And then I noticed how silent that soul world is. There's no like humming sound effects or anything like that to kind of create a a space sonically. It's just silence, which makes a whole lot of sense. It's like an abstract place, maybe inside of a brain or (laughs) wherever, where there are no sounds. And I think they they touch on that, these pre souls can't sense any senses. So um uh, there's there's really nothing there. And and that's amplified when twenty two makes it to the real world for the first time and you hear all those street sounds Everything. And, and things like that. That's kind of where I got sold on the okay, I'm glad that there are kind of two different scores going on between these two different locations. That thought that was really cool. And to further what you're saying about the animation, few different animation styles being played with here, especially with the Jerry's and Terry's. Um, you have these kind of 2D flat type creatures and the filing cabinet where Terry's doing all of his work as well as like wherever the giant escalator things lead to. That's kind of more of a two-dimensional space, which is... Extremely uncommon for a Pixar movie, and I really like that Pixar's willing to explore those other types of animation, and they're trusting the talents in their studio, they're not trying to just get married to one look. They're good at what they do, so so let them do it. But then when we go back to the real world, you were talking about the cool camera work and photographies and, and depth of focus the lighting as well is just like yes. it's just absolutely insane especially in the jazz club when uh dorothea is playing her saxophone like that saxophone looks so real so shiny and the sweat. oh my goodness and like that's all lighting right there uh, so good we talked a little bit about like the pooping pizza scene and so like I didn't think there would be much subtlety to this 22 characters comedy, but I was happy to like halfway through the movie realize it was Tina Fey. Yeah. Who I think did a really good job with 22. I agree. And I think, I think her comedic timing was, was perfect as Tina Fey's always is. It's very subtle. I mean, she's a living legend. So I was pleasantly surprised by, that performance as well as that character. I was fully anticipating like just hating everything twenty-two get her off my screen at all times. But she has a nice little character arc going on and it's like sneaky. One of my favorite parts of this whole movie is is watching the development of that character. Yeah. I think the idea of exploring what happens when you die is fun. It's a fun exercise. And I think it's a fun exercise for children, in addition to adults. A lot of people saying this movie isn't for children, but I disagree. I think that is something I thought a lot about when I was a child. And it's really cool to see this different take on what the afterlife might look like.
1: And I think that it's also a great movie for families to watch together like this is a great conversation prompt absolutely to absolutely. have with your kids yeah. even if they don't get it like some of some of the ideas and and the placing is very abstract so it is kind of difficult i think it would be kind of difficult for the younger viewers to quite understand and maybe get bored during certain parts but i think that like having conversations like the adults using this as a as a point to talk about like not even just what happens after death if you want to talk about that, but just like the idea of having a soul and a purpose and a spark and and talking about that because I think that this was even beyond what happens after you die because there was a lot of pre-life stuff. There was a lot of as-you-live stuff in the soul world, like getting into the zone and sinking down into the space. Um, so I even didn't even regard this as one of those like, this is what could happen after you die. It's like this is what's happening at all times. And it and it's all about how you live your life that influences that kind of soul world.
0: So is there anything else you want to talk about for for pros or things that you think this movie does really well before we move on to, to dislikes?
1: No, I'll go I'll I'll wrap I'll wrap up at the end my kind of feelings at it. We can move on to dislikes and 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 for me, um the the first thing is that we still have a black character that can't just remain a black character through the full length of their movie. Yes. Um, Yes. And almost even worse is is that we have like a white lady inhabiting the black man's body. Um, They kind of redeem themselves in this, in that like, that's just how we see Joe, of course. Uh, And, and like that scene with him speaking to his mom and we hear like, joe be vulnerable and like speak through through joe in that point where they're kind of reconciling um i thought that was really important to see uh as as a black man myself but at the same time and i get that like without that switch that freaky friday switch then that's just not this movie um but like the that idea still that like the the black lead can't just be the black lead um is super frustrating it's not as insulting to me as princess and the Frog because I had a ton of other issues along with it um, but it was still like an eye roll for me and the other thing was uh the the entire kind of like moonwind sequences uh this groovy kind of like soul whisperer uh in between the real world and the in the soul world it felt like that was they they were trying this movie was very like, serious and focused for for most of it and then whenever they, that person showed up that character showed up it, it seemed like to get a little bit too chaotic for me um but then i like also thought like is this just a reference to like using psychedelics and opening up you, understanding your anxieties and like being able c- to combat your anxieties through psychedelics and like this moonwind dude is very representative of like psychedelic usage and that kind of stuff and i was like that's kind of dope if that's what they're going for like it's specifically like fighting anxieties using because that's a lot of like lsd trials and stuff was like using it to combat mental health issues and and you know find the the root of your your anxieties and your and your depression uh so that's kind of funny to like further dive into um, but otherwise it was just kind of like I don't know almost unnecessary for me uh, it it just added a side adventure that I didn't feel like I, I needed to see uh, so those were those were two things for me
0: I kind of started to write down things like wait it doesn't make sense that blank blank and then I just gave up because the laws of this like relationship between soul world and like the physical world I I just threw my hands up and was like, I don't get it. I don't know if we're supposed to get it. It just seems weird that like a living person can go back and forth between the soul world and the real world, but no one else can, like just this one guy. While the more authentic depiction of the black experience is a massive leap forward for Pixar and Disney in this movie, I think they missed the mark with their depiction of Harlem and New York City. And I don't know if it was written everywhere that this movie is supposed to take place in Harlem. That might've been just something I inferred because of the heavy jazz influence in this movie and like the rich jazz history of Harlem. That could have been my mistake, but the streets of whatever part of Manhattan this movie was supposed to be taking place in did not really resemble Harlem in the slightest. Uh, There should be a lot more people outside out and about congregating together sitting outside places just chatting on the street corner all times of day it's a really awesome place to be that's really rich in culture and i would have liked to see more of that in seoul i think it would have helped like build out this community outside of just the walls of the barber shop let's talk about terry because I feel like this, this guy Terry was completely unnecessary to the movie. He really only had like five minutes of screen time. So I don't really know like why he was there in the first place. It was like he just had maybe like three scenes. It just seemed like an unnecessary complication that they had like going in the background the whole time.
1: I think it was Terry. Terry's the one that is obsessing over uh, missing a soul. Heading to the to the beyond, right? That's who you're talking about?
0: Exactly. Yes.
1: Um, yeah. So I I took Terry as like he's the extreme of what the message was that I was getting out of it, which is like your your job and your career and your your spark and what you're good at isn't who you are. And when it is, you become very obsessive and people don't take you seriously. So like the Jerry's were just kind of like, there goes Terry, like just let him do what he does. Like he's he's going to be on this kick. And, and they even like fool him at the end uh, when they allow Joe to go back to earth. They like move one of his counter beats, you know? I think it was just another character to like show the extremes of like Joe who was very focused on making it big as a jazz pianist and felt like that was his purpose. And, and that's his reason for living is, is this job and this gig and, and becoming big time. Um, but he realizes that like, that's not who you are, like life's about living. And when you make it about one goal or one specific job or one specific, uh, mission, then it often can derail you from taking in all that life gives. And that is what terry is is just complete even though Terry's like a soul like he's like a manager of the soul world like whatever even that is but like that's still an extreme of like his him taking his role way too too seriously way too extreme and uh it's just the the negative side of when you're obsessing over your job
0: okay so let's talk about the ending because right before we hopped on this review, I saw an article that said there are multiple endings to soul that were created. And so spoiler for soul in the ending of this movie, Joe returns to earth and gets the opportunity to live out his life, learning everything he learned in the soul world. So how do you feel about him getting the chance to go back?
1: Yeah. I mean, I don't, know that the entire movie was him having the chance to go back right like he spent the entire movie being back so it wasn't I don't feel like I mean them ex- allowing him to go back uh, is one of those things as well that I felt like rules can be broken like think structures don't need to be as rigid as they can be sometimes and so him being able to go back and actually, and like live that out instead of the movie ending with like, well, glad you learned what you could have done in your life. Now over to the to the bright light. Like that's not how Disney's going to end their movies like at all. So like that makes sense and I was fine with it. I had no problem with it. I saw it coming, so it wasn't like, you know, I and even with seeing it coming, I wasn't like, gosh, now he's going to be able to go live his life. Like him being able to go back and live his life using what he learned was a very nice message for me in this, like, time. Like, I, I appreciated
0: it. I guess I'm still stuck on the laws of the soul universe being super confusing.
1: See, and here's here's the thing. You will not enjoy this movie if you get hung up on the laws <laughs> of a, a world that, like, doesn't exist. <laughs> like
0: That's all I do. That is literally all I do. I know it is
1: all you do and that's why I knew that that was going to be your issue. From the start of of me watching that movie, I was like Chris isn't going to like this because it's too too soft. The 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 walls are too soft uh as far as like world building, but I think that's fine. Like it, it should be because this is a a place that exists only in this movie <laughs> like it, it's just a representation of like what could be something in the afterlife of how or how life is or how life starts and it was just their interpretation of it so I don't think that you can get hung up on rules and if you do then you for sure won't like this movie because there is a ton of like how 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 is that how can that be you know Um. so I I feel you I feel you you gotta throw those rule books away though.
0: Never, never. So I mean, I don't really have any like completely undressing of this movie, you know? Like it's not a bad movie. Yeah. It's just I I didn't enjoy it. So um I wanna talk a little bit about themes to kind of to kind of finish us off. And I mean that's more of an observation than anything. What did you find was like the theme or the the takeaway message for this movie? The difference between this movie and really any other Pixar movie I can think of is just how explicitly they decided to talk about these themes. I mean, you have them sitting in the barbershop, just laying them all out there for us to eat up. Yeah. But at the same time, there seemed to be a lot of different ones flying around at the same time. So what did you think about all of that? Like, what What did you process?
1: So my issue with Onward was it felt like they were on one mission with a ton of other things going on that they didn't do well enough they didn't explore well enough it was just there to be there soul had a similar trajectory where there was like a storyline and a a message but there were a ton of other things going on but i felt all of those contribute contributed to that main message which is like there's there's a ton to life and there's a ton to life that's worth living uh if you if you don't try and just focus on one nitpick thing part of your life and and that could be building community at a barber shop like he the barber lays it out for us that like you know i wanted to do this and that but i ended up here and it's because i love it like i love the community i love meeting somebody new hearing their story like and then you have the the conversation with the little girl about uh, not wanting to play music anymore because she thinks that's not socially acceptable in, in her friend group or in her school and it's lame, but realize she loves it and it should be something worth exploring. That's all towards that kind of like purpose, you know? And so my big takeaway from it was like, you can't allow outside forces or, or societal structures to to determine how you should live your life and, and what is a fulfilling life for you. And that hit big because that was a big thing in 2020 for me, like worked in sports social, like that when you work in sports social, sports social is your life. And I felt like that was just defining who I was. I wasn't able to live life. And so I did have, I made a career change to allow me to live life fuller and in, in my opinion for me. So like that specific message like rung so true to me and like to see that at the end of 2020 kind of like helped me reconcile with the fact that I left this this industry that I loved so much huge sports fan will forever ever be a full huge sports fan. But like it doesn't need to be my life and my one identity. And I'm just like sports Kyle, like there's a ton of other stuff I enjoy and I want to do traveling Kyle, Disney podcasting Kyle. Like And all of those can define who I am and and allow me to live life to my fullest. So that's what I took. And I think that's why I liked it so much because I was able to directly relate it to one major storyline in my life in this year.
0: And I, I agree with you that that is the most powerful thing that this movie has to say. And that's why it goes back to your original dislike, which is... Just make this a movie about a man who is battling his passion for jazz with his career as a band teacher. That's that's a great movie. They started a great movie.
1: Yeah, I I just I don't think then that's imaginative enough for Pixar. Of course, like Pixar is going to try and do more. They're going to try and go to a different place with that concept. And so I thought that like while they could have played it safe and just done those. That straight storyline of of Joe battling, you know, what's inside of him and and feeling like music is his life and music is his identity, like bringing us someplace else to also explore that is just what Pixar does. They love to do that. I mean, it's it's been every single movie that they've ever put out, right? Nemo goes to a different world and ex- explores, like, learns what life means to his dad and how to better interact with his dad. Russell and old man go to literally a different place and learn you know uh the value of family and and friendship like pixar goes to a different world to explore these concepts in different ways and this this one i felt like they did it in a way that wasn't as distracting as like onward which was like the ultimate craziness and when you stick to that one storyline like in the good dinosaur it just turns out to be boring
0: I mean, I disagree. Like, I would say Nemo is one storyline, and Bug's Life is one storyline, and Toy Story is one storyline, and I guess as we watch Pixar age, those simpler stories that really made me fall in love with the studio are becoming more and more rare. Those ones where a deep message is hidden in a, in a rather quaint family film is being replaced by let's explore some high concept stuff and set it to some beautiful animation. Let's affect you emotionally as much as we possibly can. What type of story can we do to make that happen? And I guess just like the way I like watching movies, I like the characters. I can't, picture any character from soul like walking around the parks and being like i gotta i gotta do a meet and greet with that character i don't know what do you see yourself getting a joe autograph or a- no
1: and i think that's like i'm glad you know i i don't need this story to be some synergistic movie that the company greenlights because they want to throw ip into the parks or or sell merch or do all of this stuff i think that it was important that they didn't dilute it and that they went for that bigger storyline. Like even like finding Nemo, like those are mo- there's so many storylines happening in there. It's Dory exploring her, her past and finding her place. And that's her whole memory issue, forgetting when she's not around those who she loves. It's Marlon figuring out that he needs to loosen up and allow his son to grow up. It's Nemo leaving his fish world and entering the human world and learning life values because he's been a sheltered fish <laughs> his entire life like and then those all come back together as one storyline. And I feel like they did that sophisticatedly here in, in Seoul and I felt like they did it well um, without it being distracting. And so I'm glad that I'm glad I'm not going to see Joe in the parks, and I'm glad I'm not going to see. We probably will see 22 on a float, I would assume. But like, (laughs) Yes, yes. But um, like I I didn't need that. I was happy with with that.
0: I think the difference for me is just the physical representation of the soul here, where this is a movie about our souls. So let's literally make a soul world where they're going into their soul it's the same with inside out it's the same reason i don't like that it's like let's literally make physical representations of the emotions i guess it just feels a little high concept for me and, and kind of keeping the idea in the abstract space instead of like bringing it down to earth sure like i'm gonna make a crazy crazy suggestion here And you can tell me if you think this is accurate, but I think the reason why they've chosen lately to take on these much bolder stories to tell in much more complicated, complex, emotional ways is because the early Pixar movies, you were limited so much by technology. And so I feel like the first four or five were really just a way to show off the tech. A great example is... Sully. <laughs> we finally figured out how to render hair. So let's make a movie about something hairy. Okay, let's create this this monster that we can make move around and like yeah. let's tell a story around the monster. Fish. We just figured out how to like animate it to make them look like they're floating. So let's let's tell a fish movie. We just figured out how to do really, really like realistic human hair. So let's tell a story about a girl with this head of hair. And, and so they've kind of like mastered all of the basics and, and now this is them maturing and venturing into these much more complicated stories. And so if I was going to make a suggestion as to re- the reason they've changed so much over the years, I would say that that's probably why.
1: I think you're completely correct on that. I think that they're able to focus more on story and and start with story and develop these larger worlds uh because they do have more time to do it because the the technology is there for them to do it now and i also would say that like as much as hollywood isn't super diverse the the diversity of their story teams uh definitely helps in that as well they're they're finding new angles more stories to be told because they're building out these larger story teams that are are beginning to be more diversified as this like would pixar in 2000 make a story with a scene that takes place in a black barbershop probably not probably not because they probably didn't even have a black person on staff at that time but it's great it's a great time for them to explore the story building worlds and maybe for people like you who feel like they haven't quite mastered it yet maybe this is these are the years where they're going to work out those kinks and get to that place where it feels feels better
0: where does soul rank for you in pixar films and disney things of 2020
1: yeah in Pixar films, it's definitely top five for me. So you brought up a point like how can we make you like emotional about this movie with Pixar? And that's definitely been the recent trend. I didn't feel that with this one. This one just made me feel like good and like whole, as opposed to like want to like cry, <laughs> you know? This one just made me feel fulfilled and I felt like it was a meaningful story as opposed to uh, one that is leading to a a crying climax you know so um, so f- for me because of that and like I wanted to watch it again uh, in the next couple of days after watching it like I haven't felt that repeatability in a long time uh, and so it fits up there with those repeatability movies for me like Incredibles like Finding Nemo like Toy Story you know like the, like the classics and so I would say it's up there in my top five. I don't know exactly what number I would place it at because I have had only one viewing. Um, but it's definitely upon first watch. It's it's in my top five. And then I think in the best things of 2020, I mean, it's definitely better than onward. <laughs> like on <laughs> well, yeah. like so, and like Taylor Swift snuck her way on there. So like I would say that of best Disney thing of 2020, it's probably Within the like seven eleven range, it's right there at the heart. I would feel like um because there is a- Disney did do a lot of things that were huge for the company that wasn't just this one movie from a studio that they bought up, so I would say it's probably in the middle of the pack for the bracket. Uh, it's in my top five Pixar. What about you?
0: I would say that we would have argued soul to the final four of that bracket. I don't know that it would have gone all the way, but I think. It being such a positively received piece during a time where we needed a positively received piece, I think that's really meaningful and important. And I'm happy that everyone likes it so much. Um, So I'm thankful for Soul. Yeah,
1: when it comes to Pixar movies, it's tough. I mean, I guess you could rank it like, do you do you plan on watching this movie in the next couple of months again?
0: That's the thing is to me, this movie does come off more as a mental exercise than anything. Yeah. It's uh, like you said, a conversation starter. It's, it's not something that takes you out of this world. It is something that makes you think about this world the whole time you're watching it. It's not even like, whoa, wow. Based on that ending, now I'm thinking about the real world. It's like from the get go, you're like, this is, Get me thinking about my own life, and so, like, when I'm seeking out the content and specifically Disney content, that's not really a sensation that I go for, sure. But that being said, there is so little about this movie that really makes me angry in the way that, like, stuff in Coco makes me angry, and even stuff (laughs) in Inside Out makes me angry. That, like, yeah. I would never like go on a soul rant. I would never like "Oh, souls trash. Like I do Coco and stuff, but I don't know. I just, it just didn't resonate with me at least not on my first viewing. So, you know, realistically I'd probably put it more of like a middle of the pack Pixar movie or, or, you know, top of the bottom third or something like that. You know, we reviewed frozen two as our first mini review on this podcast and, I trashed it pretty hard and it's become one of my favorites. So, um uh, right. I'm kind of over like making crazy bold statements about movies. I've only seen one time. So, uh, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to go right down the middle and say middle of the road movie for me. I'll take it. But I mean, it's worth a watch no matter what. So if y'all haven't checked it out yet, highly, highly encourage you to, um, so, Kyle, what do we got next on the Pixar slate? What do we got to look forward to? We
1: got a movie called uh, Luca. It's by the same director who did La Luna, the Pixar short, uh, about the the dad and the grandpa and the son uh, taking stars to like light up the moon and change the shape of the moon. Uh, so we're getting an Italian story that takes place in Italy, uh, and I believe that's supposed to come out. In June of 21.
0: Yep, pretty much. We got Luca and Rhea and the Last Dragon to look forward to in 2021. So I'm just hoping, you know, we got our cool existential piece. Maybe next time we can get something slightly more (laughs) focused for Chris. <laughs> all right everybody well if you have something to say about any of this stuff you think kyle was totally right you think i was totally wrong uh, are you a soul fan are you impartial to soul please let us know send us an email at mouse at podcast at gmail.com hit us up on social media uh, twitter instagram facebook discord love to hear from you guys we got another episode coming next monday so we will talk to you then take care everyone